When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey everybody, it's Matthew Collar here. We're talking Vikings football five days a week on Purple Daily, available on Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app, or wherever you find your podcasts. And look, if you're tight on time right now and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. Now on Purple Daily. Every football team eventually arrives at a lead play, a number one play, a bread and butter play. It's time for Sage to grind the tape. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, former Minnesota Vikings Sage Rosenfels. And yes, it is that time for Sage to grind the tape. So you watched two quarterbacks uh, who, let's just say you had very differing opinions on, Justin Herbert and Tua Tugaviola. Which would you like to talk about in detail first, Sage? Well, we talked about Tua earlier uh, a little bit, and, and I was impressed with him by his accuracy, by his movement in the pocket, um, he's scrambling, he scrambles around, uh, but he made some really, really impressive uh, instinctual throws and sometimes off schedule and a lot of times just on schedule. But I was really impressed by his accuracy. Um, and I was not impressed by Justin Herbert. He, he, it, 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 Herbert is such an interesting prospect because he checks all these boxes for like NFL GMs. He's, I think he's 6'5", 225, 230 pounds. Uh, if you just look at him as an athlete, he's an impressive looking athlete. Um, and you know, he, he can, he sort of reminds me of a sort of a body like Carson Wentz, right? Mm-hmm. Not only of just a tall guy, but, but also a guy who's very athletic. But he's not Carson Wentz. I would say he probably plays, uh, like, uh, Brady Quinn. That's huh. probably more mm-hmm. in a sense of he's more too sort of robotic. Uh, he doesn't have very good mechanics. Like, that's just, Sort of blatant uh, sticks out to me is as mechanics could use some work. Um, his footwork could definitely use some work. Um, he's still pretty raw, and that's sort of surprising. A kid, you know, West Coast kid in, in, in Oregon. Usually, those guys are have been trained a little bit better, but he seems to be like a little raw, but like not a guy who sort of makes his team better. You know, he can scramble sometimes, and they would use him occasionally in some of their run stuff. And he's a good runner, uh, for sure, for, for his size. But um, And he's got a cannon. Like, he can throw you a fastball. He's like the guy who can throw it from third to short as good as anybody at the tryout. But his actual sort of gamesmanship, uh, which is sometimes hard to describe, but his gamesmanship and making everybody around him a much better player, I didn't see him do that. So uh, the issue I had with him watching a couple of games this year was the situational football. It, it just seemed like when they needed him in late games and things like that, 
that he wasn't the guy who was coming up with the big throw. It was usually him coming up short. And, you know, your third down in longs and stuff like that. I look for that a lot. I saw a stat today about Tua that he was the best in college football on third down and long. And I always watch for that when I'm watching college games. How does the quarterback react when things aren't easy, when you can't have play action or a bootleg or any sort of trickery, when you've just got to make a throw? Or it's the end of the game and you have to lead a game-winning drive. Because if you can't lead a game-winning drive in college, why am I going to think that you can lead one in the NFL? And sometimes Or, or sometimes the biggest drives are the ones where you're leading and you're up by three. Right, put them away. And- Yep. And those are the most like nerve-wracking pass plays. You're up by three. There's three minutes left, and you know that every throw is huge. And yeah, you got to complete them, and you got to you know the, the, the other team's going to be totally stacked to stop the run, and you have to complete this throw because if you don't, the clock stops, and yada yada yada. They get the ball back, and now you're behind by four points. And so, uh, yeah, two is one of those guys who just sort of has the guts and. And the ability to, to, to sometimes to buy time, but to make those throws. And and I didn't watch, you know, all 13 or 14 games from Oregon last year. I watched two of them. Uh, but you know, I was I was a little bit underwhelmed by underwhelmed by said his sort of throwing performance. And how, did he make his team better? And I always go back to we talked about Breeze earlier. I go back to his Purdue days when I was with him at uh, when I was uh, came out the same year as him. You know, he was at Purdue. Which nobody really had thought of as a, basically a football school, basically probably since like Mike Allstott was playing, and then before <laughs> that like Bob Greasy back in like the, probably yeah. the late '60s or something. Yeah. I mean, they just were not a football school. And here this kid comes six foot from from Texas that no one recruited, and they win the Rose Bowl that year. Right? I mean, obviously with not a, a loaded roster, and those types of guys make everybody around them better, and you can't. It's not. There's not a stat there. Uh, you, you don't get to see it at a press conference. You only get to see it if you're like within a football team and how valuable those guys are. And and you know, I heard a little little rumor yesterday that uh, Herbert just does not love football. You know, I, I hate to get into that and say that about something about like a player like he doesn't love the game, but. I, I have sort of heard that he's not one of those guys who just you know can't get enough and has that sort of that it that grit that guys like Breeze uh, have that which which makes them great players for a long time and and next thing you know you you see all that talent you see the the size and the arm strength and this that and the other but then you end up with Jake Locker right or, or somebody like that who maybe doesn't love the game and and uh, you know just doesn't not doesn't end up having a the, the career that you want them to have you have to have like a competitive edge to you yeah uh, that sort of burns in you every single day um, and uh, you know I, again I'm not gonna make that judgment on Herbert I just didn't see him on film making all the players around him better well, and if there's one thing that I learned from watching the uh, Gruden quarterback camps for a long time, which if you watch the longer form version of those, they're really good. The parts that they would play on SportsCenter, the two-minute parts, would usually be Gruden just being Gruden and his personality. But when you would watch 20 minutes with a guy, you would see how they reacted to criticism. You would see how they reacted to uh, him quizzing them and, and even just how they interacted with another person in the room. And I, I miss those greatly because I would love to see that with someone like Justin Herbert because he reminds me a little bit, maybe this guy's not quite as good of an athlete, but 
is someone like Brock Osweiler, someone who doesn't have this natural presence to them, but is certainly very large and has the arm strength and everything else. But I remember Gruden saying, hey, uh, Brock, why was your running back confused at who he was supposed to block? Isn't that on you? Aren't you supposed to tell him? And Brock Osweiler was like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a pretty big mistake there, Brock. Uh, you know, you might want to explain what happened there or something. And, and you just got the sense that he wasn't one of those guys. And then you remember when Peyton Manning threw his helmet on and ran out there when Osweiler was supposed to be playing because Osweiler just wasn't leading his team out there, didn't have his helmet on, wasn't ready to go. And I'm not saying Herbert will be that, but if you don't have that sort of competitive fire where you're locked in all the time, you're just not going to do super well as an NFL quarterback. Could, could you see... I could see Justin Herbert going to, say, the L.A. Chargers. You know, he's a West Coast Pac-12 quarterback. Uh, Chargers entering that new stadium. Mm-hmm. I could sort of see, you know, obviously they're starting over at quarterback. I could see that. You know, they, people always say, like, they're going to need to make some sort of splash. I believe Tyrod Taylor is their back at quarterback. Yeah. He's not. I mean, do you want to open up this new stadium um, with, with Tyrod Taylor as, as your quarterback, or do you want to either a Try to get Drew Brees, of course, off, but try to go after some name that people will show up to, or draft a guy that just recently played in that West in that Pac-12 conference. So, um, some some people have that place. Uh, in particular, there seems to be a thing where like quarterbacks that play in the Pac-12, a lot of times teams like to keep them on the West Coast because you know, oh that they'd be terrible in Chicago or they'd be hmm. terrible in Pittsburgh or one of these you know cold weather places and and this sort of fits that bill of uh, a west coast quarterback staying on the west coast um yeah the, what's that's a, a funny theory there's all sorts of like funny theories wasn't uh i mean rogers went to kale so i think he's done okay in the cold weather <laughs> yeah uh, that that's always funny i mean brett Favre great in the cold weather and he's a mississippi guy um oh he's got big hands he can throw in the wind of buffalo is something you hear all the time with ej Manuel and josh allen like i'm glad glad your hands are really big but you're not very good at quarterback uh i just wanted to give you a couple stats on justin herbert from pro football focus he ranked 50th in fbs in the accuracy percentage on throws from one to nine yards which i think is a huge deal in the nfl a lot of your throws are one to nine yards, and you yes, see that's... Drew Brees just dominate by throwing short passes, and Brady has done it for years. You're only throwing a handful of balls a season, uh, maybe six, so that's 60 thing. or something downfield. I was, was going to say, like, and like Kurt Warner was a guy probably from the Arena League that was just deadly on like just little short stuff, and, yep. and he could get the ball out quick and had a quick release, and you have to be really accurate. That's another thing I saw. They ran their fair share of sort of bubbles and these little short sort of plays, and and he was continually inaccurate on those types of throws. Like, those are the ones you just can't miss. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't always tell sometimes with things down the field, with his receivers, with this, that, and the other. But the short stuff, you got to be just money on. And he missed uh, more throws than any, you know, sort of top or first-round quarterback uh, should miss, in my opinion. Yeah, he, to me, is the classic red flag Josh Allen, Blake Bortles, just a big giant guy with big giant hands who throws it really hard, but that's not how you win in the NFL. And uh, teams just fall in love with this guy. Every single year there's one of these, and they almost always go bust. Um, I, I got a text uh, the other day, by the way, from our guy Eric at uh, Pro Football Focus. Eric Eager, yeah. 
Yes, and Eric uh, said, I have Anthony Gordon as the third best quarterback in this draft ahead of Justin Herbert. That is your guy. And also, Anthony Gordon was the best short passer in terms of accuracy, which I think, even though he doesn't have great athleticism or this monster arm, that's a huge deal. I mean, that's that means that... Quick release and accurate on short stuff is huge. That, right, mean, that and that really means that you huge. can counter when opposing teams have Nick Bosa. Like, you just can't overstate how much the game has changed with the defensive ends, where every team has two amazing edge rushers that are going to get to you super fast. It's a big problem for the Vikings when Cousins won't get rid of the ball, and you see a lot of the best quarterbacks, if they can have short passing accuracy that's the only way to counter that so i i like a guy who can do that in college yeah and so you know we're going to see these quarterbacks up close and personal aren't we in in a in a week i think a week from tomorrow nfl combine thursday yep nfl combine in indianapolis i really hope there's a lot of walking around downtown minneapolis during the combine from the convention center to the hotels to the places to eat and to, you know this that and the other and, and a lot of networking going on so i'm really hoping for good weather next year in indy we had great weather last year it was like 60 degrees on a couple days and so looking forward to that looking forward to these guys actually throw uh on thursday but i will be working with that anthony gordon a little bit i think tuesday and wednesday after either afternoon sometime or even in the evening to get out somewhere and try just to do a little bit of throwing because, you know, those guys just show up and you haven't thrown for three days and they ask you to throw. So it's sort of an odd situation the way that combine works. And, and uh, I'm going to try to, try to you know, have a, one last couple of meetings with him before he throws and, and get him ready. Well, that's awesome. That's uh, insider information here on the show on Anthony Gordon. Um, okay, so every Wednesday now, Sage, here's what we're doing because it's the off season, and there's a really long time until we play a football game again. So I am beefing up on my recent Vikings history by going back and watching full games of things that happened in Vikings history. So I've started with recent playoff games. Now, I uh, remember quite well what happened in New Orleans in 2009, but what goes often forgotten is what happened the week before against the Dallas Cowboys in probably one of the most exciting moments in a very, very long time for Minnesota Vikings fans, a home playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. You were there, and I watched it back yesterday into this morning, and and I... I got to say, what I was blown away by, Sage, is we always think of Favre, and, and 2009 is defined by Favre and, of course, Gary Anderson. But what goes a bit forgotten, I think, is just how great the defensive line was. Like we we talk about the Williams Wall sometimes, but Ray Edwards was really good. Jared Allen is dominant. At one point, they try to block Jared Allen with Jason Witten, and it's just hilarious because it just blows right by him and sacks Tony Romo. And it was exciting to watch back how good that defense was. And even that defense played really well in New Orleans and, and gave them a chance to win that game, too. Yeah, I think New Orleans, we had nearly 500 yards of offense, and they had like 275 or something like that. Our defense was really good that year. And I went back and watched that game as well, and, and it stuck out. You know, Early in the game, they're talking about the way the Vikings stopped the run. I think they led the league 
in rushing against like for three years in a row and maybe were second in that 2009 season. So when you can stop the run, and I know it's a passing league, but if you can stop the run and force teams to have to throw, then you have Jared Allen, uh, and then you have you know other pass rushers. Uh, you know Kevin Williams for a, an inside guy was an excellent pass rusher, um, but uh, you, you had to have these other guys on that football team who could really get after the quarterback. Um, it, it was you know once you sort of got the lead, sometimes it was just really really tough for opposing teams to to throw the football and obviously you, you couldn't run it so you end up with third and nine third there was a whole bunch of like third and 13s that tony romo had to try to run around and make things happen and, and end up getting sort of ugly he threw he fumbled a couple times uh he threw an interception to ben lieber uh in that football game and and it was actually decently close at halftime i think it was 17 to 3 at the end of the third quarter, and they almost. missed two field goals. They so missed two they, field goals, so it was a fairly competitive game, and then we just overwhelmed them in the fourth quarter. And obviously, then you know Favre worked his magic, and and him and he and I think Sidney Rice had three touchdowns in that football game. And and you know one thing that definitely occurred is that there was about three times where Favre ran to his right, yes. and then threw back to his left, and found a couple different players. I think Sidney Rice twice in that in that game. And uh, Troy Aikman even mentioned, there's Brett Favre running to his right and throwing back over the middle. <laughs> That's what, what you're he not does. supposed to do, but he's been doing his whole career and having a ton of success at it. As Favre rolls to his right, on the move, throws. That's Brett Favre doing what he has done his entire career. And Brett Favre has great confidence in Brett Favre. How long has he been rolling to his right, throwing back across his body over the middle of the field, which is a no-no, and doing it with great success? It was like this uh, preview of what was going to happen exactly a week later in New Orleans. But he did it a couple times in that ball game and it worked out extremely well. Favre played great in that game. Adrian, he had a lot of carries but not a lot of yards. I feel like he had about 25, 28 carries but, you know, 70 yards or something like 26 that. 26 for 63 is what he had. Yeah, so, but the defense was, you know, he got those turnovers and, and then at the end, man, just it was just sort of daggers at the end of the game where once the Cowboys got behind, they had to blitz us a little bit more, and, and we decided to throw the ball in a couple situations uh, rather than run out the clock and end up being a, a, a blowout 34-3. to But it was a really good ball game for three quarters. Do we write the narratives after, or can you tell right away that Tony Romo just did not look comfortable. He comes out and fumbles on the first drive, and everything felt like there's no way they're coming back, as I was watching it, just because maybe the offensive line wasn't holding up against the Vikings' defensive line, but also he was so good at improvising and going off schedule and making plays throughout his career, but he tried to do it a couple of times in this game, and at one point he just sort of gave up. He was running around a little bit, and he shred a couple of tackles, but then he's like, nah, I'm just going to slide. I can't. I, there's nothing here for me to make uh, a play, and I've kind of had enough. It, I, I've never thought... Romo is a choker because he really did have some great games in the playoffs. But in this one in particular, I don't know. I think there must be right on the sideline a feeling of, oh, this is not going to work out good for this guy today. Well, they they were moving the ball. It seemed like you know not not like domination wise, but they were sort of consistently moving the ball on on, on a lot of their drives, and then just coming away with either it, they end up turning the ball over with a couple fumbles that he had, or uh, as you said, those missed field goals. They had two of them right. in this football game, and then things just sort of got out of hand. And and you know, in that stadium in the in the, uh, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, when you got a lead and you're stopping the run. 
I mean, it was just like feast time for, for Jared Allen and, and those guys. And, and it was such a big advantage getting off the ball and, and beating those tackles who couldn't hear anything. I thought it was the loudest stadium in the NFL uh, over the course of my career. I've played a lot of loud stadiums in Seattle and all these places. I, I think it was the loudest, uh, you know, that game for me that I had ever heard the way that home field advantage, advantage was. And so, you know, Romo, I remember Brad Johnson saying, you know, Romo is the guy that can get out of a phone booth as there's like eight guys in the phone booth yeah. trying to get him. Yep. He could just he did that time and time again, and and he was trying to do that some of that game, and that's where a couple fumbles happened. And as, as you were sort of saying, at, at some point, sort of near the end of the game, he almost sort of gave up trying to be be uh, sort of the playmaker because he was just you know just getting his tail kicked in. On the opposite side of things, Favre's throw to Sidney Rice to start the game. And you see Wade Phillips and his defensive coordinator yelling at each other because there was some sort of mishap on defense. But the throw is just outrageous. He gets hit and launches it down the sideline. The coverage is pretty decent. It just falls right into Sidney Rice's hands. And then later in the game, he jukes out a defender with a pump fake. The the defensive lineman jumps and flies out of the way, and then he flips the ball into the end zone. I mean, Favre was just bawling in this game. I mean, he, he wasn't just doing things that were great, like game managing and and. Dallas is falling apart. I mean, he is making play after play. Like you said, he only threw 24 passes. Four of them are touchdowns, and about 10 of them of the 15 completions are crazy awesome. I mean, just the the first touchdown of the game he throws is a play called Fox 2X and Y hook, and, and the Z receiver, who is Sidney Rice on the play, he has a post route, right? So if you're getting what they call quarters, there's a chance that safety gets caught up with the tight end and you have a post over the top, you know, mm-hmm. throw that sort of ball near the hash. Versus cover two, it converts to a go route. That's sort of how the, that route sort of goes, and, and they play cover two, and the safety's just too shallow, and, you know, usually when you get cover two, you're just not looking at it. Like the, the Z receiver's now just sort of running off, clearing out that safety. You're going to try to work that tight end to your running backs. Like that's sort of the play. Like cover two, you're off of Z. But their safety was playing cover two, but was just a little bit no, nosy and, and was trying to sort of mess with, uh, uh, you know, Favre as far as like, am I coming down? Am I going back? And, and he did not get his depth and Favre just went out and threw it and the safety couldn't play it. His back was, 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 uh, uh, to the quarterback and Sidney Rice caught it. That's the first touchdown of the game. And, and, uh, yeah, then he had another one. It was like a bootleg and he pumped and the guy goes up in the air and he steps up and hits Sidney Rice for another touchdown and at the end of the game gets this blitz and, and throws another one up for Sidney for his last touchdown which he literally walked into the end zone yep, and, yep. and to finish the whole thing off uh, just an absolutely perfect throw on a fourth and three to Fasante Shanko in the corner of the end zone uh, uh, end zone is as, as I said you know is fourth and three we're sort of trying to route the clock at that point, but you know, there's no point in not throwing it. Uh, you know, runs not going to do any good because if you don't get it, the clock stops anyway. So we throw it, and and Favre just throws an absolutely perfect ball in the corner of the end zone to Shanko to just sort of wrap up a you know basically a magical perfect day, probably one of his better uh, uh, postseason performances of, of his career. So uh, way back Wednesday, what I want to do is lessons that we learned from whatever game we watched. Um, the last episode sage was with judd and uh we basically said jake reed give that man his credit was the lesson uh this one i think you know what you can never have too many guys who are good at football around your quarterback adrian peterson obviously was great but chester taylor makes a few plays in the game where i went oh hello chester taylor you're good and of course he was like the perfect he was like the perfect alternate back 
yeah. for AP. He was a third down guy. Uh, you know, Adrian was not good with protections. He was very good with protections. Really football smart, and and you caught the ball well out of the backfield. He could run some option routes. Was good when he was just a you know traditional tailback, and they hand the ball off in the eye. But he was sort of the perfect third down back for Adrian as sort of the first and second down guy. Oh, last thing for you, uh, questions on this. Um, what was the locker room like after that? I don't even remember. I, I, to be honest with you, I'm sure everyone was really happy, but I sort of feel like, you know, we had been, that whole season was weird, but it was all sort of like about the championship game, about mm-hmm. the Super yeah. Bowl, getting yeah. to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. the, you know, week three, it was sort of in the back of our minds, or we finally had that first loss or whatever. It was sort of, uh, you know, where is this as far as, first round by or, or first you know are you the one seed the two seed the three seed you know all those types of things i mean really on in that early early on in that season like that was always in the the, the back of our mind and so i you know i think everyone was thrilled obviously we won the football game but i think very quickly we're like let's you know we're, we're gonna go to new orleans like let's go get this thing and, and we're very much you know sort of moving on at that point and and because the, uh, you know the goal very very early on in that season was to get to the Super Bowl and, and to win it. Right. And uh after watching that, I'm sure people felt like Favre should roll out more to his right and throw across his body. <laughs> that always works. That play always <laughs> that works. That is his play. Uh all right, Sage. Well, this was fun. We'll do it again sometime soon with uh way back Wednesday and you and I will connect again on Monday and then after that, you and I will be together in Indianapolis doing the show from there. I'm looking forward very much to that. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Uh we will take a break when we return. Pro Football Focus's Ben Lindsay will talk about how the Vikings can solve their salary cap issues. That is next. Here you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show this Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus 7 bonus greens fee passes with advanced purchase courtesy of twincitiesgolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Tread. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.